0: Okay, so Rabbi Roba has uh, plenty what to say on uh, Tzishpov, so I'd like to learn together the last little piece. Uh, it's on uh, your sheet in front of you, the bottom of sheet number one. There are more sheets up here if anybody uh, wants. He writes as follows. Khorban he opens with three points we'll talk about. Number one, Chorban be Hamikdash Hu Ha Olam. Number one, is a statement of fact. The destruction of the Beis HaMikdash was not just a destruction of a building or a structure in Yerushalayim. It was a destruction not just for the Jewish people, not just for the land of Israel, but the fact that the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed is a korban of the world in its entirety. The entire world is not in the place that it is supposed to be based on the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash. And it manifests itself, he writes, an olam necharavu. The world is now in a place of Nechrav it is in a, a place of desolation and destruction. Afpina achas, Afpina Achas, mitorara Lahashraz, There is not a corner of the universe that now is fit for Hashem to rest his presence. We live it, we've gotten used to it, but we live it in a world that does not have a place fit for Hashem's presence to dwell amongst us. That is a chorba. Not just a chorban the Beis HaMikdash, that we live in a place that doesn't have a place in it. There's not a corner of this world that is capable of holding or housing the Shechina itself. So when the Shulchan Aruch begins, the very first, uh, you open up a Shochanarch, our, our book, a Sefer of Halacha. So <coughs> the very first comment that the Ramah makes in the Shulchan Aruch is, al <laughs> It is Roi, it is fit. That every Yore Shemaim, any person with a level of fear of heaven, should be, do- should be meitzar, should be pained and doeg, and concerned and worried about the Chorbon Abais. That's his opening line of shochanar. Aruch. You wake up in the morning, Aruch open, the Aruch opens it with a line of his Gabir Ka'ari, a person should arise like a lion, and the Ramah says, and then what's really like the first thought that you should have? You say, Moda'ani, and Oi, Oi, that pain. To be pained and worried that there's no bais mikdash. That's how a Jew begins. Uh, a Jew begins his day. Now, so Revolver writes, quoting from the Chiddushi Arim. So he writes, "It's roilucho yore shemaim. If you have yore shemaim, you should be pained and worried about the korban. What if you don't have yore Okay. What about the Jews who don't have yore shemaim? they don't. They shouldn't be worried about the bais. Why does he? Why does the Ramah put it that way? That it is fitting for someone who has Yerushalayim, if you live with the fear of heaven, then you should be pained and worried about the Chorban Abayis. So the Chedush Rim says, no, for sure not. Kol Shekain, certainly somebody who doesn't have Yerushalayim should be uh, also similarly pained. Because any generation shall o nivne based of any the Gemara says any generation which the base is not built during your days ki ilu has to view it as if it was destroyed in that generation. No generation is free. You can never say no Jewish generation. It wasn't well, my problem. It's not my fault. If it wasn't rebuilt in your generation that you're living in, it's as if it was destroyed in your generation. No one is absolved from the fact that, because if we had fixed the problems, then it would be here. The fact that it's not here is we're just as guilty of whatever problems we had still today. <clears throat> so what's the Kavana? Says the Chidush Yerim like this. Why does the Ramah focus on the Yorei Shamaim should be worried? Because a person could be Toe Atzim, so he can fool himself and he can say, listen, I, I'm not Margish, I don't feel the Chisaron. I don't feel that which impact it has on Klal Yisrael. What should a Jew do if he wakes up in the morning and he doesn't feel pain over the Beis HaMikdash. He doesn't think about it. It doesn't bother him. He goes about his day and it doesn't occur to him to realize, you know, I have a home, but the doesn't have a home. Not only does the not have a home, but there's a mosque sitting on his home. And a Jew doesn't think about that. He goes through his day and he doesn't, he doesn't realize. Doesn't it say that during the second the HaMikdash presence wasn't there either? Correct. So like, so we're going all the way back to the first, that's right. So, after, so even after the first Beit yes. so of Yes, that's right. That, that's Rabbi Miller, I think it's, I can't remember if he did it this year or in the previous year that I saw it in old, Had it gave a shiran, was there a Tisha during the times of the second Beit Hamikdash. That's a good question. Right, because there was no Shechina since the destruction of the first, which means even during the times of the second, they should have been mourning the law, lack of Shechina. On that same thought, um, the Gemara says, uh, the Rashi quotes it in the very second Pesach, in all the Chumash, So Chazal traced four exiles that the Jewish people would go through. The exile of Madai and of Yavon and of Edom. Right now we're in Edom, the exile of Rome. And prior to that was the exile of Yavon, of Greece, which of course is famous for which particular story? The The Chanukah story. So the Hanukkah story is called Golus Yavon, the exile of Yavon. Guess what we had during the exile of Yavon? No. We had a Beis Amikdash, right? There was a Beis Mikdash in the, in, the, in the Greek story, right? And it was defiled. And then afterwards we get it back. But it's called the exile of Yavon. We were considered exiled, living in Israel, with a Beis Mikdash. Why are we in exile living in Israel with a Beis HaMikdash for those, that 400 year period? Because the Shekhinah wasn't there. We had a Beis HaMikdash, we had a structure, but we did not have Hashem's presence. That never returned after the destruction of the first, and we're in exile. Jews living in Israel today are living in galus. It's not to make any of us feel better that we're not living there. I'm just saying, but a Jew living in Israel today is in galus. He lives in Israel in galus. He doesn't physically live in the diaspora like we do, but without Hashem's presence, the Jewish people are in are in exile because Hashem's presence is in exile, and that's why we, we still have lots of problems and sorrows and pain and suffering in the land of Israel today because we're not yet uh, so a people can redeemed. Can still, can still of in, course, miracles could happen, can right? Chanukah. Yeah, I mean, evidenced by Purim was a miracle in outside the land of Israel. Chanukah was a miracle inside the land of Israel. But but we're still in exile. We don't have the Shem's presence. 100%. So in he just finishes the thought. What about a Jew who doesn't feel the pain? He doesn't feel this. He doesn't doesn't think about it. So he writes, He writes, uh, That's what he should be worried about. He should be pained and worried on this itself. That's a sign. You're on the outside that you don't even feel the pain and suffering of the Jewish people, that should be your pain and suffering, that Hashem, you should daven, that Hashem should should have rachamim on you to bring you into the inner circle of those who are amongst the Jewish people worried and pained over that which needs to be worried about. This idea was made famous uh, whether or not it's an apocryphal or actual story, but in 1967, I'm sure you've all heard this, in 1967 they tell the story where the Jews, the Israeli uh, Defense Forces recaptured the Kotel. And so uh, the soldiers poured in after this battle, this intense battle in Yerushalayim, and uh, they were standing there crying at the wall. Finally, after 2,000 years of exile, had retaken control of the wall. What an amazing moment. And these soldiers were crying. And a soldier, secular soldier, uh, comes, and he's, he's, he's not crying. It has, no, it has no meaning. It doesn't have any significance to him. And the Rav Goren, I think is the way they tell the story, the Rav, uh, at the time of the of famous for blowing the shofar, came over and said, what should I do if I'm not crying? So he said, you should cry over the fact that you're not crying. So that's, that's the embodiment of this idea. Like, like sometimes, like, you know, like, you should cry over the fact that I don't wake up and think about the of Mikdash the, the entire world is Nechrav. There's no place, there's no home for Hashem. Can you imagine if anybody were to have, a, you know, a, a parent, Rachman, who, who, had, who didn't have a home, and a child woke up and knew that in the next city over, the father lost their home. It was destroyed in a fire, and, and didn't think, about fixing the situation? Not just didn't fix the situation. Didn't think about taking care of their parent who doesn't have a home. What, what kind of child is that? That's impossible to imagine. So Revolva says, so the Shulchan Aruch begins. There's a book on Halacha. But what's the first thing the Ramah says? You should be concerned over the fact there's no on Mikdash. What should I do if I woke up and I wasn't concerned? That should concern you. It should concern you that you weren't concerned that the Rebbe Hashem doesn't have a home and you don't think about that. So that's why, as I said yesterday in the Joshua, you know, we're the, a Yari Shemayim. That's how a Yari Shemayim lives. They talk about the Jews of old who would wake up at Chatzos every night and cry over the Beis HaMikdash. Halavai, we should get back to such a step. We at least, during the nine days, please don't ask me, is it okay if I eat meat like this? For nine days, can we figure it out? For nine days, can we handle a little bit of discomfort? For one day at Tisha B'av, we're going to fast. That, that's our job. Yeah, okay, those who want to wake up chatzos all night, all year long, and those who want to, uh, you know, more halavai. But let's at least take what we have. Point number two on the other side of the page, the next paragraph. So Robo points out, quick question, before you look, how many brachos in Shmona Esrei, we have 19 brachos in Shmona Esrei, how many of those brachos focus on redemption, Mashiach, rebuilding Yushalayim? How many of the 19? No, six. Six. 6 of the 19, we say this 3 times a day, Shemona Esrei, 6 of the 19, it's an amazing percentage when Chazal gave us the Shemona Esrei, and you would think, okay, well, what do we need? Well, we need health and wealth and all the other, that's in there too. 6 of 19, pretty much 1 out of every 3 brachos, is focused on, bring me home. Ready? He, he listened, Mechaye sim is a yearning for the era of Mashiach to come home and bring back those who have passed on. Uh, it's on the first list, first line of the second paragraph. Go, El Yisrael. One of the brachas is straight up: redeem us. You are the redeemer of Klal Yisrael. Take us home. Mikabets Nitchei mo Yisrael. You gather the dispersed amongst the Jewish. Bonei Yerushalayim. Can't get more explicit than that. Rebuild Yerushalayim. Matzmiach Karen Yeshua. Flower, the redemption of Yeshua of re- of uh, salvation. Hamachazir Shechinaso Litzion. He will return to six times, three times a day. We daven for redemption. It's an amazing, we like don't even pay attention barely when we're davening to the words we're saying. Six out of nineteen, three times a day. And benching is going to get to as well. The entire bracha, the third bracha there. And benching is all about, you know, we, we start with Eretz Yisrael and we like, you're totally, I'm, I'm full. And it's all about bringing back to Yushalayim, build back Yushalayim, um, and, and take me. Home. So his ha'ara is, in the second paragraph, I'll just mention it outside very briefly, is For these nine days, which are already a third of the way through, during Shemona Esrei, pick two, he writes. Two of the brachas just to focus on, just to stop for a second as you say the words, As we go through uh, the brachan benching and in Shemona Esrei, Think about the words. Let our eyes see. As you return to Zion, in your rachamim. We say these, they roll off our tongues, we're so familiar. During these days, just stop. Say it a little slower. Just pay attention. We're davening for the rebuilding of Yerushalayim. We're davening for, and Yerushalayim is a beautiful city. Or we're davening for it to be filled with the splendor of the Rebona presence in the city, not just that there's a rail that takes us quickly from Yerushalayim to Tel Aviv, that there should be a presence of the Beis HaMikdash is what we're davening for in Yerushalayim. And when we bench, as we focus on that bracha, just during these days, to, to take an extra second just to think about what it is that we were saying. And lastly, last point in his last paragraph, he points out, really a, uh, a beautiful thought. You think about, where, what's the beginning of the Jewish year? So, it's a trick question, because there are two, two beginnings. We have, of course, a Pesach and Nisan, technically, but in terms of the other beginning is is Rosh Hashanah, which is all about Malchus. Rosh Hashanah is about the Yom Adin, in which we declare Hashem Melech, 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 Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech, 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 The whole focus of Rosh Hashanah is Malchus. So when you start from that point, when you conclude the year, the last thing that we do for Rosh Hashanah The last thing before the next Rosh Hashanah is, is Tishabav. B'Av is three weeks before, the ninth of Av, three weeks before Elul, and then we're right back into Rosh Hashanah. So Revoba points out, in order to be able to have a Rosh Hashanah, in order to be able to say you are the Melech, and we yearn, Hashem Yim Lokli Ulam Va'ed, we yearn to have you as the Melech. The starting point of that is on B'Av saying, Hey, your presence isn't here. I mourn, I grieve the fact that the Beis Amikdush was destroyed and the Shechin has been exiled, and there is no melech in a way that I can feel and touch and see like there should be. Grieving over Tishabov is really the start of yearning and declaring the Malchus of Rosh Hashanah, the end and the beginning of the year. I connect. One who has no connection to Tishabav, to the lack of Malchus, the lack of Hashem's presence in this world can't really then wake up seven weeks later and say, I declare you melech. If you want to declare me melech, how did you miss the fact that I'm not around? And so the, the cycle of the year connects the beginning in his language, Hama Agal nizgar, the circle is closed, the central Nakuda is yearning for Hashem's presence. We, we mourn for that on Tisha B'av, a successful Tisha B'av, in which we mourn and cry the destruction and the lack of Hashem's presence takes us right into when you really mourn something, what you're doing is you're grieving its lack of presence. That's right into Rosh Hashanah of us declaring Hashem Malach and yearning to see his Malchus over And That's what, uh, that's the, the cycle of the year. And this is our task as we get ready for the next couple of days to really appreciate the lack, the loss, to wake up in the morning and say, for these next four days, no I feel it. I recognize it. And two brachas during Shemone I'm going to take a little extra time to pay attention to. This is really preparing for Rosh Hashanah. Believe it or not, that's what we're doing, is the whole idea of getting ready to see and yearn and daven for the return of the Shrina to Yerushalayim and to bring us home.